We're going to get right on in tweet. Welcome into Twig, your weekly geekly family-friendly news show that tackles everything from defining Fallout TV show details to Jeff Keighley's take on indies with some games thrown in between. If you're listening on the podcast version of the show, be sure to give us a good review. If you're on YouTube, hi YouTube, click that like button over there, or come and listen live on Twitch every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern, or currently over on TikTok and YouTube as well, where we're experimenting with our live experience on those platforms as well. Folks, as always, we're going to start this show with our what did you watch what did you play what did you read over the past week what have you been getting into so if you are listening right now feel free to drop in the chat what that might be for you but i'm actually going to let our special guest of today introduce themselves and then tell us what they've been playing watching reading take it away oh i am mayfly i've actually been doing a lot (laughs) been watching mainly Honestly, YouTube, I've been really deep down the Josh Strike Hayes rabbit hole. He does a lot of, he has a series called Worst MMO Ever, where he just plays the worst MMOs so that we don't have to experience them for ourselves. And it's a lot of fun. He just nitpicks at everything and it's very funny and engaging. So that's been a lot of fun. Playing, I, I just as last week, started and finished American Arcadia, started and finished Stray Gods and started the first divinity because i'm on a larian studios kick because who is surprised at that probably no one who knows me it's actually really good they did an updated enhanced edition that they released not too long ago i say not too long ago but 2014 ish and it it's really good and you can definitely tell how their style and writing has improved over the past decade or so which is really interesting to see so very cool. Well, I definitely am not surprised that you've been playing through Larian's <laughs> games. I'm not going to lie. Those have been ones that have been on my list for forever. I've been super interested in going through Divinity and seeing how it how it like plays and how it feels. And now that I've played Baldur's Gate, I have a feeling that I might be more inclined to do that than ever. And I'm, I'm hopeful that I can actually get into it. In the yeah, they future. play really similarly. Uh, yeah, the I've, mechanics I've, are very, very similar. I can um, definitely so, imagine. Yeah. And I'm I'm totally down for it. I can't wait for the experience, and hopefully that will happen sooner than later. Of course, the backlog is forever long, as always, so mm-hmm. there's no no promises there. Let us know in the chat what you've been watching, playing, and reading. What I have been into for the past week is so many anime. I've been catching up on my backlog there, really trying to binge through all of my favorite anime out there. So I have been watching Shangri-La Frontier, which has been really good. I am catching up on Freyren, which I genuinely think might be one of my favorite anime, in, at least this year, and maybe in the past couple of years. It does exactly for me what Mushiko Tensei seemed to do for everybody else, but without the pervy main character, and I'm all here for that. And I've been reading Johannes Cabal. I'm almost done with that. I'm gonna gonna finish just in time for our book club, which by the way, we're gonna pick up a new book tomorrow. So if you want to join us for our book club, be sure to do that there. And then as far as games I've been playing, I just wrapped up Steinsgate, and holy smokes, it really is as good as they say. It is a game that I have put off and put off and put off. I've been like, should I just watch the anime instead? No, if it's a visual novel, I really want to play the visual novel because I love that medium. And so it was like, 
what am I going to do? Finally, just like buckled down, did it, finished it, a masterpiece. Like it totally is fair what they say. It is a lot of hours and it is indeed going to take up a lot of your time. And if you're not into visual novels, you're not going to like it even a little bit. In the instance of that, you should watch the anime because so far I'm, I'm, I am watching the anime now because I'm deep in the rabbit hole and I'm on episode two and everything is very much following along course, just sped up pretty drastically. Since I finished Steins Gate, I've been playing Persona 5 Tactica. It is significantly slower. It's something that is not necessarily like drawing me in with any heavy hitters, but we'll see where it continues to go as I as I get through that. And I might end up might end up dropping it before everything is said and done. But hopefully I want I want to like it more than I am currently. So maybe maybe there's a chance that I'll get more into it because I sure do love the feel. I love the aesthetic. I never really got into the Mario and Rabbids games either because I just don't think they're my style of game. But We'll hope so. Thank you for that sub from HMN there. We appreciate you. With that, we're going to get into our first news story for the show, which is going to be about the Game Awards. The Game Awards 2023, hosted by Jeff Keighley, is introducing major new changes, including increased security measures in response to past incidents and moving away from the world premiere label for game announcements. Additionally, when asked about the nomination of Dave the Diver in the Best Independent Game category, that sparked some debate, which led Keighley to address the subjective nature of defining in games. He explained that various factors like budget, team size, and spirit of the game are considered, highlighting the complexity of categorizing games in an industry with blurred lines between independent and mainstream productions. So, Mayfly, I have a feeling you have you have some opinions here. You like games and game development, and you are similar to me, very much drawn to indie games in a lot of ways. I think you're curious yeah. about them. So, yeah, tell me what you think. That's interesting. The The first thing that popped into mind when I initially read the notes was actually Alana Pierce did a really good video on Game Awards in general, how they work, how voting boards work, how how everything works, and how games are chosen, what the different categories are, what the different subject lines are, the types of people that vote, the fact that it's company votes, and typically they basically will ask a company to to ask their employees what what their top five games are and the most votes from that entire company of the top five games are the ones that get nominated and that's kind of how a lot of certain systems work and so i think that's really interesting for people to to look into and realize as well and i always considered dave the diver in indie title just because it made so many waves doesn't necessarily make it a non-indie title so that's yeah, that, that interests me that there was even, I had never, before I read the article, I had never even known that people, that that had sparked any sort of debate, mm. you know? Uh, that's interesting yeah. to me that people were kind of up in arms about that. Yeah, I think they're, it's being backed by a pretty big company. And so that's the like debate factor is that what does it mean to be independent? Does it mean that you're independent of companies? Because if that's the case, then like you got to be a pretty small pile uh, of folks there. And so I do think that a lot of the other games certainly do check that box more than Day of the Diver does. But I also yeah. think it's really tricky to try and define these things. For me, there's like, an, I, I laughed whenever it said like the spirit of the thing, but like, yeah, like I kind of agree. Yeah. I agree yeah. to a certain extent that there is a certain spirit of indie games that I naturally am like drawn to like, yeah, this is an indie game. Whereas as Humar Whittle in the, in the chat there highlighted, if Naughty Dog made a game, would it be indie? Like for me, I feel like any of those kind of 
obviously big budget, like triple A titles, even if they're produced by a small team, it really is like an impact and a spirit and a drive behind the thing. It's hard to encapsulate. For me, there, there is a specific type of game that is, it is, and it's not a negative thing, but it is typically more obvious when it is quote unquote an indie game mm-hmm. because the teams are typically smaller whether or not they're backed by a larger company financially doesn't mean that the team themselves isn't compiled or compressed a little bit does that make sense so like if if my final project from college ended up being a, a full demo like just because we were backed by the college technically and we had all the resources at our disposal from the college doesn't mean it would have been a triple a demo like that still would have been an indie demo Right. So that's how I look at it, having been in that kind of kind of in that situation. Yeah, it's it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. I do not envy anybody that's trying to come up with with award shows like this and trying to figure out how to draft it. I appreciate you for using tamer language than Alana did, in which her video did use a pretty heavy (laughs) word right on the title. So like award shows, of course, we all know they're nonsense. Right. And it's just the fun of getting together. That's the reason that I love it as Checkpoint is because we can like gather around and watch this thing and just have something to talk about. But at the end of the day, that's all that it really is. And mm-hmm. we can we can put labels on things as much as we want to, but at the end of the day, it doesn't really help much. There are going to be goatees that are going to be at other award shows. Baldur's Gate yep. has already won goatee in several other award yep. shows. So it's like, <laughs> does it matter if it wins the Game Awards goatee or not? No, yes. it's just a show. <laughs> uh, but maybe it does matter to, to some more than others. So we'll see. <laughs> We'll see how everything pans out. I am glad they're increasing security. I have definitely enjoyed the goofs and gaffes over the past year, but that is just not the environment for that kind of thing. So hopefully they're able to get that on lock and everything works out just fine. So let us know your thoughts about the Game Awards adjustments as well as Keeley's thoughts on independent game production. And we're going to move on to our next news article with Mayvi. Take it away. This one I picked specifically. I figured, Nate figured I was probably going to pick this one. The upcoming Fallout TV series developed by Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan for an Amazon Prime video is set to premiere April 12th, 2024, which is really soon. And I was not expecting that. Based on the popular role-playing video game franchise originally created by Interplay, and now owned by Bethesda Softworks, the series will depict a post-apocalyptic retro-futuristic world reminiscent of the 1950s. It was announced in July 2020 following Amazon's acquisition of the rights to produce a live-action adaptation. Todd Howard, a producer at Bethesda Game Studios and director of various games in the series, is on board as an executive producer alongside head writers Joy and Nolan. The show will exist within the same continuity as the game franchise, aiming to tell an original story rather than adapting existing games. And I like... And I, I, I don't remember if the word continuity was actually used in the article, but if not, I like that you use the word continuity <laughs> because there is a big debate right now, especially with the FNAF movie coming out, about continuity versus canon. Hmm. And those things are very, very, very different. Yeah, um, it definitely depends on the headline. There have been some <laughs> that have said headlines, or some that have said canon, some have said continuity, some have said uh, all these different, you know, branching well we'll see what it actually turns out to be and what direction they tend to go i feel like fallout to me they all sort of feel 
loosely connected and and some looser than others. And while it yeah. definitely has like a shared universe, it almost feels more to me like the D&D universe where it's like there are all these tied in worlds, but the stories feel so disconnected that it's like, I don't know. It's it's like having Marvel where they just have this like giant frozen in the sea and rock and nobody ever talks about it. Like it's a very mm-hmm. similar kind of thing where these like catastrophic events can happen in various spots in Fallout and nobody else knows about them in the other games. Yeah, I, I don't I don't know. I'll be interested to see what this turns into. I'll at least personally, I think this household will attempt to watch it. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens. <laughs> I know I'm going to watch every minute of it. I'm a big fan of Jonathan Nolan. I'm a big fan of Walton Goggins and I love fallout lore. So like the more of that, that I can see, I'm hopeful that that's what they lean into. And uh, yeah, I think, I think a self-contained story in fallout is exactly what fallout needs. (laughs) Like that's definitely the biggest complaint. I think for most of, most of the, the latter games there in the fallout universe is that they focus so much on these branching narratives that they end up telling no story at all. And so being able to encapsulate something into hopefully a single season, hopefully they aren't planning like multi-seasons, that would be the best possible scenario. And the reason this is coming back up is because there are new stills. So I didn't include any stills, of course, today, but you can go look them up if you look up the latest Fallout news. They've got some pretty cool shots of Walton Goggins, who it has been confirmed now is playing a ghoul, which is interesting to see him in that role. And then we got a look at a vault dweller and then also some of the suits. So got some exciting stuff going on yeah definitely check that out uh, but do let us know yeah. if you have any thoughts on this one in the chat any final thoughts before we move on to the next one mayfly we'll see i mean amazon prime with their stuff has been mm. really hit or miss mm-hmm. like the lord of the rings stuff super miss the vox so machina pretty. stuff it was so pretty. super hit though so it it i think it also depends a lot on on how much um creative control the original creators have yeah. as well. So we'll, uh, we'll see. We'll see. I am, I'm with Gam, hope, uh, tentatively hopeful. I'm definitely going to watch the whole yeah. thing and I might, it might be a, a suffering watch, but it'll definitely be a complete watch. Uh, <laughs> next up, YouTube has recently launched a new feature called Playables for its premium users. This initiative marks YouTube's foray into gaming by offering over 30 mini games that can be played for on both mobile and desktop devices without the need for any downloads. Uh, the games, which are small and free for premium users, Include a variety of arcade and puzzle-style games. Notable titles among these include Angry Birds, Showdown, Brain Out, Daily Solitaire, The Daily Crossword, and 8-Ball Billiards Classic. These games are accessible through a dedicated playable shelf on YouTube's homepage or via a link in the Explore menu on desktops. The Playables feature is set to be available until March 28, 2024, and includes a total of 37 games. So I did actually have this pop up. I am a premium user. They conned me into that years ago and I can't get rid of it because I love the ability to uh, like turn off my phone and it not stop playing. That is the reason. Yep. I, I pay Wednesday. all the money in a year just because I can turn off yep. and it's just it's so nice. It's um, nice. Yeah. I have not played with the playables yet though. So I cannot confirm how they are just reading them. It sounds like they're pretty basic games that I probably play anyway. I've been into the crossword. Obviously we did that before recording this podcast. We did Puzmo. So I don't know. What concerns me is the date, March 28, 2024. What does that mean? It's set to be available until then. Are they seriously only testing this for four months? Like that is bonkers. How much could it possibly cost for them to host games for more than four months? They are really not wanting to dip their toe in the water at all. I personally don't even really understand why they're doing it. 
and, I, and I'll say and I'll say it this way: people go to YouTube to watch other people play games. Mm -hmm. People don't go to YouTube to play solitaire, right? Like, if I want to play solitaire, I'll download the solitaire app, or I'm sure there's a default one that came with my phone because that's one of those default games that just comes with your phone, right? And I enjoy solitaire, right? But it's it's yeah, and that's another thing. I don't know if you can play while you watch. Does it say? And I'm assuming that's the, the case. I I think surely that's why it exists is I mean, because you you can play while one. doing things. I don't know. Otherwise, I wouldn't understand the point behind it either. Because like Netflix, right? They they've bought up big games and yeah. you go there to play the games. To play the but game. It's not yeah. meant to be while you're watching. But the games that they described, at least in what I've what I've summarized here are very much like background games. Like they're games that I want to watch or they're games that I want to play while listening to a podcast. But again, yeah, I, I got YouTube premium so that I didn't have to keep the YouTube app open. Like that was open. the whole point yeah, of the exactly. thing. Yep. So I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm going to try it. I'll give it a shot now that I know more about what it is. They also did not launch it very well. It was not until I found this article that I understood what went on. It was just like a quick little pop-up on my screen that was like, you can play games now. And then it was like, okay, I clicked the okay button and then it was just gone. So I don't think I, I ever got that. And I have premium. I didn't yeah. even know about this until I saw these notes. It was only so. on desktop. It was only on desktop that it popped <laughs> oh, up. It did not pop up on my makes, phone. Oh, so. I got nothing. I got no clue. Don't know why it happened for what reason. I'm clueless. But let us know if you're planning on playing the YouTube games or if that's not your steez in the chat. We're going to move on to our next one. A report by the Entertainment Software Association, or the ESA, reveals a shift in the gaming preferences of children in the U.S. for this Christmas. The study, which surveyed over 500 children aged 10 to 17, found that 72% of them want game-related products, but only 22% are interested in physical games. Instead, the most popular gift ideas are subscriptions at 39%, consoles at 38%, gaming accessories at 32% and in-game currency at 29%. This preference for a digital and subscription-based gaming product indicates a significant change in how younger gamers engage with video games. Additionally, the ESA's survey of over 500 adults showed that one in three plans to buy video games for themselves or others, with 57% of parents considering video game-related gifts for their children. Game-related products surpassed other gift options such as money, gift cards, and technology items like smartphones and smartwatches. A president and CEO, Stanley Pierre-Lewis, highlighted the widespread popularity of video games among Americans, noting their role in connecting families during the holiday season and beyond. Interesting conversation going on on the Discord about this one as well. So what are your thoughts here, Mayfly? Or do you have any? I do. It it does not surprise me that game subscriptions or subscriptions in general are the most popular. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that going back to, to what we were talking about, what, what I've been watching recently, right, with, with Josh Strife Hayes and his whole MMO series. They are tailored specifically, especially nowadays, the cash shops are tailored specifically to make you spend more than you need to for the things that you want and so especially for kids playing online games and things of that nature they go oh mom i want you know a one month subscription to xmmo for christmas or whatever that makes a lot of sense and you have games like fortnite and and stuff that have cosmetics and have passes and you have battle passes and you have all of these things that are either xp boosts or they're cosmetic or they're mounts or they're whatever and it, it, it kind of makes me a little sad almost mm. 
Because I remember the days when games were not so cash heavy. And and then I enjoyed getting a physical game for Christmas and like ripping open the plastic packaging on on an Xbox 360 game or whatever. Like that was joy for me at Christmas time. So it's it's an, it's just interesting, I think, how, how things have changed. It's definitely intriguing. It's like the more things change, the more they stay the same. Like I definitely remember yeah. very much similar responses whenever I was writing wish lists and Christmas lists. Like these were the things that I was asking for. It was just my own version of those things. So yeah. the consoles, yeah. the new games, the GameStop gift cards, like all that stuff growing up was exactly what I wanted and what I asked for. So again, it's like, this is kind of interesting. It's not surprising and all at once, yeah. uh, just kind of almost nostalgic for me of like, yeah, like this keeps going and it keeps staying the same of, of we're we're loving video games. We're passing on video games. We're wanting them. I did find it interesting as far as like buying games, one in three adults. That's a pretty huge percentage. Mm -hmm. uh, now, granted, this is a pretty small pool of 500, but that just shows that the proclivity of gamers increases and increases and increases and continues to oh, be yeah. such a pervasive presence that everybody that is ignoring how big video games are just is truly clueless because oh, they're yeah. just the biggest thing. And everybody is, is talking about it. And one out of three is a drastic number with a plans of that nature already. So very exciting stuff. Again, we do have an interesting conversation going on around it and around subscriptions in particular about whether or not you should have to have subscriptions to play online, which is an ongoing debate that we're not going to have now, but continues mm -hmm. to be an interesting topic to dance around and to figure out and to play with. So if you'd like to have that conversation, feel free to join our Discord, Exclamation Discord, at any point in the chat, and you can join that and have that combo there. But we're going to move into our next news article. The Netflix anime series Scott Pilgrim takes off based on the beloved Scott Pilgrim world won't be returning for a second season as confirmed by the show's creators. This decision seems to be a mutual and content one, suggesting that the creators are satisfied with the story as presented in the single season. The series, which dives back into the world of Scott Pilgrim and his life with Rona Flowers, has been well-received, but fans should not expect any further adventures in this particular anime adaptation. This was a super interesting one to uh, see literally take place on Twitter with Brian Lee O'Malley like, sharing all of the different articles that kept saying, like, canceled and not happening and so sad and fans are depressed <laughs> and like all these things. And he was like, so we made one excellent like season of a TV show and y'all are sad. Like, uh, yeah, we ended yeah. the show. Well, we did what we wanted to do. And yeah. um, I, I think we need more of this kind of thing. So I'm a big fan. I give, I give two big thumbs up uh, for a single season of a show that is fantastic. Yeah. I, I, I saw the film once or twice, mm -hmm. but that's about the extent of my Scott Pilgrim knowledge. I mean, yeah. the art looks cool, but I also don't have Netflix either. So, yeah. well, that'll definitely do it. It's it. I will <laughs> say that about this show. I think that it is really for the fans. So like I, I, my biggest gripe, which I can't say is a gripe because it doesn't affect me at all, is that I would have a hard time sharing this show with a lot of folks. Like, I would not be able to watch this show with my wife, who has never really cared about the series or cared about the movies or cared about the comics. Like, she's not going to be interested in this even a little bit, and I can't blame her. Like, it's not like, mm -hmm. oh, you could watch this but have no connection and still enjoy it. No, you really can't. Like, this one is 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 pretty insistent on, like, you need to know the story of Scott Pilgrim mm -hmm. to enjoy this even a little bit. And uh, I think that's I think that's a real demerit against it. But it's also a kind of like it is what it is. It's it's the it's the story that Brian Lee O'Malley wanted to tell with the the characters and the universe that he had. So 
more power to him. I'm glad that he did it. And hopefully we'll see we'll see more out of him, if not in the form of a second season, but maybe in a different season or something else or another project or another video game. I would love a new Scott Pilgrim video game. Whatever we can get, I will take happily. With that, we're going to do our last news story for the trending headlines. Take it away. Contestants of the Netflix reality show Squid Game, The Challenge, inspired by the hit South Korean drama, have reported suffering injuries during filming, with some considering legal action. Two participants have specifically claimed injuries such as hypothermia and nerve damage. A UK-based law firm, Express Solicitors, represents these contestants and has confirmed that although no lawsuit has been filed yet, the possibility is being explored. The nature of these injuries and the circumstances leading to them highlight concerns over the filming conditions of the show. I've been kind of sort of keeping an eye on this. It's. If you don't have Netflix, this would be another one you wouldn't be able to watch. Yeah. On the, on the actual story. I mean, not obviously on the, on the show. I've kind of always had this bad feeling about survivor. Mm. the challenge all of these outdoor or like you know throw people in a jungle and see what they can do make it in a freight like all mm. those types of shows because i i just things like this happen they don't um really i think pay as much mind and attention to the health and safety of the contestants as i feel like they should sometimes mm. and um injuries happen and it's, it's not a good time um, and I think showrunners and executives should be held accountable if that is the case. And these people did suffer hypothermia, did suffer nerve damage. Like I think, I think something should be done for sure. Yeah. Absolutely, we want to see we want to see no harm being done. That's a part of our core values: do yeah. good, do no harm. So we want to see people being held accountable for when they they do harm and making making things right in whatever way they might be able to in the situation. Um, I do think this whole thing is bizarre. I think Squid Game was a weird phenomenon anyway. I, I enjoyed the show. I don't think it was quite as much of a phenomenon as it probably, sh- like, I, I don't think that it needed to be as big as it was. I think it was good. But I'm also a diehard Death Game fan, so I've seen way better. But I did enjoy Squid Game, and I was happy that it existed and that it took off the way it did. But it doesn't make sense to me to make a Death Game show. Like, that's, yeah. either you either you can't do it all the way, or the way that you do it is going to be cruel and unfair. And I don't think the point of Survivor is necessarily cruelty as much as, like, pushing people to the limit whereas squid game the point is cruelty like that's the, that's the that's the yeah. objective of the people that are overseeing the game so super weird i think this whole thing is bizarre i also saw some people on tiktok pointing out that it took mr beast like 24 hours to put yeah, together a squid he game. Did. i was just gonna say that <laughs> he put one together everybody was fine nobody got hurt they ate cookies mm-hmm. it was a it was a big you know there was a prize at the end everybody had fun like it was you know he put it together in 24, 48 hours or whatever, and it, nobody got hurt. Right. Like, and it took this it team like not... two years, two years, yeah. and people are getting, getting <laughs> and hurt people, enough to sue. Yeah, and people, you know, supposedly got hurt, and and it's it's just crazy. <laughs> it is. It's wild. So we'll see where this continues to go. I mean, I have a feeling it's just another Netflix reality show. They're going to pay out. They're going to be fine. Yeah. And we probably won't hear any more about this. But still intriguing to keep uh, a touch on that. So that is our final trending headline. And with that, we're actually going to get into everybody's favorite segment of the show. Critique. 
That's right. It is time for Cryptic Critiques. This is our game show that we do here on Twig in which I am going to describe a five-star game that has received some one-star reviews. And based off of those one-star reviews, hopefully you'll be able to guess what the game is. Mayfly may be looking at the show notes, and I've actually blanked out the third prompt yes, because it's too dead of a giveaway. Arguably, so is, is yeah, so is the second one, but yeah, the third one is... 100% a dead giveaway. So we'll, we'll, we'll throw that I one in there anyway. So yeah. we're going to give the first prompt and try and guess if you're in the chat, but we're going to let Mayfly guess, although I think, again, she probably already knows this one. So <laughs> five-star games getting one-star reviews. Here is the first one-star review. Cool environment and atmosphere. Gameplay made me want to do schoolwork. So I think that they don't like schoolwork is the, is the imperative there in that prompt well, that we have to understand. Though? They're not excited for that schoolwork. The second prompt, uh, one-star review again. Some of you never played System Shock 2, and it shows. That is, I will say, that is an amalgam of, like, pretty much all of the one-star reviews said some form of this exact thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I definitely know what it is. Yeah, you'll probably, you'll probably <laughs> get it. I'll let you wait until the third prompt for anybody that's yeah, still I'll trying wait, to figure I'll it wait. out. <laughs> and prompt number three is, this game is as overrated as Ayn Rand. So that is the that's the final blank. You probably got it based off oh. of that one. Maybe you didn't. Did you not? What is it? What See, do you think it is? I was going to go with the first one, but is it infinite? It is the first one. It is the first it one. It is the first one. Okay, yes. the Iron Range Bioshock. made me think infinite. But yeah, I was going to, my yeah, Bioshock. Okay, yeah, that was Bioshock where I was going was with one. it. You got it. one actually threw me off with Iron Rand. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So there you go. Chats in the clap for sure for Mayfly. I tried to pick a game that I knew that you loved just because then you would definitely be able to figure it out in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. I saw the System Shock Note 2 stuff and I was like, oh, this is definitely Bioshock. Yeah, that was a lot of, a lot of the complaints were like, this is just the same story and everybody should go back and play that one. And I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I have no hot take on this one yeah. at all. Yeah. But clearly I mean, the people is, that didn't like it were mad. But, you know, what's whatever. It's, it's, it's great. Whatever. I love Bioshock. <laughs> There we go. All right. Well, let us know if you got it as well before we reach that third prompt or if Ayn Rand did happen to give away the third one there. But with that, we're going to get into some news that you have all submitted via our Discord. This is our To the Discord segment of the show. All right, so again, this is submitted news. You can submit your own news to bit.ly slash deartwig, D-A-R-T-W-I-G, or by going over to our Discord server. Again, exclamation point Discord in the chat here uh, on Twitch. And you can always go to our Ask Questions, Get Answers section of our Discord. Every Monday, I ask for news from the past week that you can then give us in that space. So these are some of the things that have been submitted in the past week. First up, we have one that was submitted by our own Zando Calrissian. ByteDance, the parent company of TikTok, is significantly restructuring its gaming division. Newverse indicating a uh, retreat from the mainstream video game market. This move, affecting hundreds of employees, follows Newverse's challenges in achieving commercial success despite substantial investments and notable titles like Marvel Snap, which Zando happens to really love. The shift underscores the difficulties ByteDance faces in adapting its successful short video app model to the gaming industry, an area that demands a longer and more patient creative process. 
This development is part of a broader trend in the Chinese internet sector, which has been impacted by regulatory crackdowns and macroeconomic challenges, leading to reduced business activities and workforce downsizing. I think this is kind of a non-story because a lot of Marvel Snap employees and overhead and overseers have come out and said, like, don't be concerned. This is not a thing that that's, that's going to affect you. Like, we're, we're sitting pretty. We're doing good. The game is viral. Nothing to be concerned about here. But still worth pointing out that ByteDance, who has taken over the world with TikTok, is not able to make it in gaming, just showing that it really is a different kind of market. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, it's it's it was just like I was saying earlier with with YouTube trying to implement short games into people who go to TikTok for, for short form video content, right? They, they go to YouTube for short, medium and long form video content. They don't go, you know, to play games necessarily. So it's, it's, I think for those companies finding a good balance. Yeah. I'm very curious to see if they, if they do like, you know, a couple months, six months, how, how long does it take before we yeah. do hear anything? And is there any kind of kickback here? I really don't think that there's going to be for Marvel Snap. I hopped out of Marvel Snap pretty hard, pretty early, but a lot of my circle has maintained it. Uh, obviously, I mentioned Zando as, as the one that submitted this. And so he's definitely still very invested in it. And I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. They have a pretty yeah. tight model. And anytime I've heard any of their investors or leaders or visionaries for it talk about the future for this company, they're like, yeah, we're already thinking about our next game. Like we're, we're considering how we're going to continue innovating and uh, making more addictive, good video game card-based battling content. So we'll see what comes out of this unfortunate departure from the gaming entity sector. With that, we're going to go into our next piece of news. This one was submitted by myself on behalf of our own H-Man B-Surfer. Let me see. It's in my way. Yokonobu Tatsu's manga, Don Dandan, is set to receive a television anime adaptation in 2024 produced by Science Saru. The anime, described as a paranormal mystery battle and romantic comedy, will be directed by Fuga Yamashiro and Hiroshi Seko, supervising and writing the series' scripts. Notably, the music will be scored by Kinsuke Ushio, and character designs will be by Naoyuki Onda, uh, with Yoshimichi Kameda designing the aliens and supernatural entities. The story revolves around Momo Ayase and Okarun, who have opposing beliefs in the paranormal, leading them into battles involving spirits, aliens, and a touch of young love and humor. Currently serialized on Shusha's Shonen Jump Plus service, the manga's 12th volume is scheduled for release on December 4th, 2023. Further details about the anime, including the cast, will be announced at the Donadon Stage event at Jump Festa 2024 on December 16th. So, Mayfly, I know you are disconnected from the anime and manga scene after after a, a childhood of enjoying several series, but it yes. has become my lifelong goal to get you back into the scene. <laughs> yeah, I specifically did not pick this one because I did not want to butcher any of the names. There were a lot of them in there, and I probably did. So I, I, I would not, I would not put it past. Well, honestly, I, the way I found you, you have to do any Japanese name. You just got to get it out there. You just try and say it as fast as possible, and then odds are you'll get it out in, in time. I like um, the idea of a paranormal mystery battle and romantic comedy. That it's pretty um, great. Pretty opposing things going on there. Yeah, so the, the concept is that Okarun is the boy there with the glasses, and he believes in aliens but does not believe in ghosts. And then Ayase is the girl there, and she does not believe in aliens but does believe in ghosts. 
And uh, through a series of bizarre uh, events, they end up both being proven wrong and get into a lot of pretty insane adventures and possessions and all sorts of great stuff. And they're the most off-the-wall, amazing manga I've ever read. It sounds pretty (laughs) off-the-wall. It's bonkers. It's crazy. It reminds me uh, a lot of Fully Cooley with some other elements in there of like, you know, Fully Cooley is so like irreverent. And I think Don to Don is a little bit more cohesive of a story than Fully Cooley necessarily shared. So I'm excited for it. Science Saru is definitely uh, a great company. I'm glad it's not being produced by MAPPA. They've been in pretty hot water over their serious burnout that they have been putting behind their teams. But uh, Science Saru made Devilman uh, Crybaby, as well as Keep Your Hands Off Isaacin. A lot of great series there, and I think that it's going to be a fantastic production. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait. It's already got me looking forward to the the, the next year of anime, which sometimes, you know, they, they we have some down seasons, but this is definitely going to be a good one. Some wishful thoughts there from H-Man. I hope they keep the yeah. MA jokes and themes and don't PG-13 it. Uh, there's a reason you have to watch it on browser and not the app. Yep. That's definitely true. It's It's... They don't pull any punches with this one. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I'm super excited. I I think it's going to be a fun journey and hopefully taken very seriously. Heavenly Delusion, they didn't pull a lot of punches with Heavenly Delusion. This wasn't Science Saru, but still, (laughs) I'm I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful this will be this year's Heavenly Delusion, uh, as well as getting probably a second season. I don't know what that means, but I love that he said that. If you catch the show, you will understand the joke. So, <laughs> hey, oh, love thy nerd. Hey, okay, that's, thy a, nerd. that's so many viewers. So we're going to pause the show real quickly and explain what we're doing here. Thanks again for that raid. Love thy nerd. I so appreciate you. Feel free to stick around in the chat and keep engaging with the news. We do talk to the chat during this podcast and we appreciate you being here. But if you got to hop out with that beautiful, beautiful raid, we understand. I know the feel. I, I am I am the, the first one to hop out of any of my raids because I'm normally so burnt. So... Totally get it. Totally feel it. Thanks for the follows. Thanks for hanging out. And we're going to get right back into the show with our next article coming in from Buish this time. Mayfly, take it away. All right. Dave Filoni, known for his significant contributions to the Star Wars universe, especially with the Ahsoka series, has been promoted to chief creative officer at Lucasfilm. This advancement, reported on November 21st, 2023, signifies a more substantial role for Filoni in the future of Star Wars content. As chief creative officer, he will now have a more influential voice in the early development phases of upcoming projects and will be working closely with Lucasfilm president Kathleen Kennedy. This promotion is indicative of Filoni's increased involvement in guiding the next generation of Star Wars movies and TV shows, shaping the narrative and creative direction of the franchise moving forward. I, I love Dave Filoni. What I'm going to say. He's great. <laughs> Dave Filoni's good. I'm, I'm, yeah, Filoni, yeah, just like Cam said, Filoni is the, is the hero Star Wars needs. Yeah. Him and why am I blanking on the other name? Well, while you Google, I will say that we were joking. We were joking in the Discord whenever I saw this uh, news article come up that I think now that he is Mr. Manager, he is the chief creative officer, he needs to get himself an even bigger cowboy hat because I love his cowboy hats that he always rocks in red carpet events. I think that it it is his thing, and I love that he has a thing and that he has owned it for all these years, and I want to see just the biggest, like, comically large, like, Scary Movie 3, where the the, the cop lady, her, like, brim of her hat keeps growing. I want to see yes. that, but for Dave Filoni. Uh, I want he to be and, uh, that Favreau. It's John yes, Favreau. John Favreau. Yep, he yep. and Favreau have done amazing things for Star Wars. I personally was not super impressed with Ahsoka myself, and I hate to say that because she is my wife, but... 
I didn't know how to pronounce it. So, I mean, there's that. That's fair. We got you there, though. <laughs> but, it, I mean, it was it was decent. But I I enjoyed her in Clone Wars more and her story in Clone Wars more and, and the, the build-out of her character. And I just don't think it, it, it was translated well enough i think um to live action but i'm glad that um they're they've promoted him that he is going to be more active in in early stages of development hopefully helping with the canonicity and continuity of things and just keeping keeping star wars star wars is so with that so yeah, I'm down for bigger and bolder projects for him and hopefully straying yeah. away from TV shows. Now, it's very possible yeah. that maybe TV shows are just like his bread and butter and he doesn't want to stray away from those and he stays on them and that's fine as well. But I would love to see him and Favreau really like knuckle down and and take a moment to make yeah. a movie and see what they can do yeah. and just see see some fun. Make a Star Wars story. Do, do a thing where yeah. you just take a, a single story and just tell one and let's yeah. see how that goes. Don't even worry about reinventing a trilogy and doing something with the Skywalkers. Like just... Let it be its own thing. Have fun with it and enjoy it, and we'll we'll see. We'll see where it yeah, goes. Yeah, let it be its own thing, and and don't uh, shoehorn other characters into other characters' things. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, don't take. We had a, a lot of we had a lot of Mando and Boba, and we had a lot of you know X person and this person's show, and this person and this person's show, and right. a nice introduction because they're getting their own show is fine, but don't give. Boba Fett's show three, four episodes of just the Mandalorian and the baby, right. because then it's not the Boba Fett show anymore. It's the Mandalorian and the baby part 3.5. Right. So if you're going to make something, what I would love to see from them is really committing to the character that they're trying to, to show and exemplify and focus on that character specifically without trying to bring in other characters for, for views or for whatever. Yeah. I agree. There's gonna there's gonna be there's gonna be a lot of a lot of hard choices. I'm excited. Gam dropped in the chat and said we were getting a Mandoverse movie coming up. If that's nice. the case, I'm thrilled about it. I want to like Mando more than I do, which that's my hashtag hot take that I'll I'll leave it there. But I, mean, I think that a, a movie versus a show would suit me so much for the Mandalorian. I want less story. <laughs> but is Pedro a, Pascal gonna be in it? That's the thing, because he's like quitting. So like Yeah. He's he's out. I mean, that's it. He said he said he's done. People say, well, the paycheck, but he's also got the last of a season two at least. Right. He's sitting pretty. So he's sitting very pretty. He doesn't need Disney and the Mandalorian. Right. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens indeed. Uh, with that, do let us know in the chat any thoughts that you might have around Filoni and the Filoniverse taking over there and hopefully the future there. But with that, we're going to move in to my personal favorite segment of the show. At this point in nerd history. It is at this point in nerd history, all of the wonderful things that have happened in on this exact day throughout time and space. Not too many of them this time. We've got a kind of short list, but a list that I really do like. Only a couple games and a movie in there. So again, it is going to be brief, but these are everything that released on November 28th throughout time and space. So 2019, this is a game. Technically, I normally don't do games that release anywhere other than the U.S. because this is a U.S.-based show, but this one released in Japan on this date, and I'm going to take any opportunity to highlight this game, which I I think more people should have played. 2019, 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim was released in Japan. If you like mech battlers and if you like good stories, 
this is a shoe in. This is a 10 out of 10 game, one of the best games that I've ever played. Really enjoy the story. The gameplay element is okay, but the story is so good, and I always recommend it. We have a nerdy sermon on it out there. So much I like it. So this was such a small fry for some reason, and I think it deserved so much better. It's by Vanillaware, I think is the name of the company, and they only make a few games every couple years. They're very much spread out in the games that they produce. So I was very excited to see that show up today. A game, a game version of the classic kids show that I very much enjoyed, Shaolin Showdown, premiered on this day in 2006. 2005, a much better game, I'm certain, Mario and Luigi Partners in Time, dropped in 2005. And then another game that launched on the same day, one of my favorite games of all time as well, Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life, the Special Edition. So that would be the PS2 edition that allowed you to play as either a boy or a girl at the start of the game. Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life, 13 Sentinels, Aegis Rim, those are literally two of my favorite games ever. And they released on the same day throughout time and space. That's pretty neat. Uh, only one movie again, 1997, Alien Resurrection uh, opened today. So any thoughts or draws on any of those for you, Mayfly? It is a short list this time. It's a very, it is a very short list. I don't, not, not really. I don't think I've played any of those. And I don't think I've ever even seen an Alien film. Oh, really? Now that's fascinating. Yeah. <laughs> I'm intrigued <laughs> by that. You should totally check out the Alien films. I, I honestly don't remember all of them and can't differentiate between them at this point. But the original Alien is classic and Prometheus is controversial, but excellent. So, like um, obviously, I've seen the scene with the thing coming out of the chest and that's like, right. But there's a I've whole lot more to it. With, the, with how much you, films. with how much you like world building. I would think you would love the alien universe because they are so thoughtful in the way that they create stories. And so, yes, oh, I like Prometheus. Perry, that's oh. another of my hot takes. I love Ooh. Prometheus. I don't think it's necessarily objectively good, but doggone it, <laughs> I watch it and I'm engrossed. I want more. I, I do enjoy it. So, why do um, I feel like that was, this is going to be a very random question. Why do I feel like that was the film with Rihanna in it? Or am I crazy? It is objectively the worst, says Perry. I, I, you know, I. Or is I that a tell different you. movie that started with a P and was very long? It might be a different movie, but I would recommend checking out the, the Alien universe. I think you would like the Alien movies. Perry thinks you would not like Prometheus. You probably wouldn't. It was critically. No, failed. that's Battleship. Um, it's just battleship. the battling things in my head just are all the same. So gotcha. she was in Battleship. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say unless she was uh, really in the background of Prometheus. <laughs> I don't know. But that'll be that'll be some more homework for you, Mayfly, to hopefully eventually check out uh, Alien and the Alien Universe. Alien At least watch the first one. It's a classic. It's a classic. Okay. With that, we're gonna get into our next <laughs> segment of the show. Upcoming releases, what games, movies, TV shows, comic books, any of that stuff is coming out in the next week. I'm going to start us off uh, with TV, movies, and comics, and then Mayfly is going to wrap us up with games. Only one TV show is coming out this week, Obliterated, is coming to Netflix. And then over in the world of movies, on the 30th, a uh, movie called Family Switch is dropping on the first Candy Cane Lane, How the Gringo Stole Christmas, which is interesting, Silent Night, which is being absolutely uh, decimated by reviewers. That's John Woo. Yeah, I think John Woo mm, and then, uh, yeah, whoever so. did John Wick, the two of them working together, making a new movie, and it does real bad. 
Godzilla minus one is 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 I think coming to on demand, so it's already been released. I typically only do if they release for the first time. And then Thriller Forty is coming on the second. So if you are curious about the production of the of the the album Thriller, there's going to be a documentary on it on Paramount Plus. Coming to the world of comics, we have a couple coming out on the 28th. Titans, Teen Titans, Beast World, except this is when they are Titans. Gannibal, which I couldn't really get a good read on Gannibal. It's a uh, Hannibal. It's, it's it's obviously a a cannibal story, but I'm not quite sure what's going on with that one. It's got a cult classic feel to it, so maybe. Assassin's Creed Visionaries is coming out on the 29th, and then Berserker Fallen Empire is also coming to the comics world on the 29th. With that, let's hear some games. Games on the 28th, we've got Long Train Home and Notuary. What does VN mean? Visual novel. Visual novel, thank you. On the 29th, we've got Forest Grove, which is a mystery. And we've also got Orton Was the Case, which is a time loop puzzler. The 30th, we've got Gangs of Sherwood Co-op, Talked, PvPVE, uh, Hitman, Blood Money Reprisal, Mobile, question mark? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like a mobile M. adaptation of the first couple. Ah, that makes sense. Uh, I'm going to say T-E-V-I because I don't want to pronounce that wrong. Tevi? Tevi? Uh, is a bullet hell on the <laughs> first. We've got Dragon Quest Monsters, The Dark Prince. Uh, we've got Steam World Build. We've got Uzu Uzu, my pet golf dash. There you go. So those are the games, and then we've constant. got we've got some VR games and DLC. Oh, we got games some VR well. that I forgot to highlight for myself. So sorry about that. You're good. Uh, on the thirtieth, we've got Cookie Run, The Darkest Night, and Sniper Elite VR Winter Warrior. If I had a VR, I'd probably play Sniper Elite, to be honest. In DLC, we've got on twenty eighth, The Hunter, Call of the Wild, Labrador Retriever. I'm going to assume that you get. A I don't Labrador know if you Retriever get to play as the dog or if you, you just get the dog. I don't know. And not real into hunting games things. myself. Yeah, not sure. Genuinely not sure. So any of those games or movies or TV shows or comics or any of that stand out to you there, Mayfly? I was going to just comment on the fact that I, back in the early Assassin's Creed days, so about the lore, so about the story, so about everything. And then it just got so convoluted. And the mm -hmm. comics came out. And this came out. And this side game came out. And then this tent, this mobile game came out. And that also had to do with the continuity. And then this thing. And now I'm just lost. I'm just, and it makes me sad because I used to really, really enjoy it all. Yeah, I've never been into the universe, so I know very little about it. I am always intrigued from the outside about some of the stuff that, that goes on, but know very little. As I've mentioned earlier in the show, I'm a big fan of visual novels, so I'm interested in Noctuary, but I honestly have such a long backlog. Who knows if it'll be added on the list or not. Forest Grove looks really cool. As far as like an indie mystery game, it looks pretty good. I'm intrigued to know more about it. And then Tevi, it looks like an interesting weeaboo-esque bullet hell, and so sure, why not? I'll consider it. Dragon Quest Monsters, I'm intrigued by the fact that this was teased at some kind, it may have been at the Game Awards last year. I don't remember, mm. but it was teased as a world premiere and then no one said anything about anything. it. Like anything. it just fell off the face of the earth. So I'm guessing it's going to be real bad. The Dragon Quest spinoffs are always kind of just like, cool, it happened. So maybe they'll do good. Oh, Forest Grove looks cute. 
Yeah. A lot of the art for these was oh. really, really cool. There were some more in there that I thought had some really strong art to them that I was curious about Ooh. that I wouldn't play. Gangs of Sherwood was another one that looked really pretty. I won't ever play a co-op uh, battler, but it looked yeah, really interesting. Yeah, I don't do that either. Um, and oh, then interesting. some fun ones there. SteamWorld Build is also a controversial one that's coming out as far as like SteamWorld with some sim elements thrown into it. So I think Zando is our resident SteamWorld fan. So we'll see how those go. But I have a couple on there that are kind of interesting to me. Jate says Gangs of Sherwood is really solid. That's good to know. So there must be a, a demo or something out for it before this and maybe it'll do good. I, I would I would love to see more indie games get pushed to the highlight, especially ones that have such a strong sense of art, such as Gangs of Sherwood. Orton was on the Orton was the case, looked really ugly, but I think in like an intentional way. And I'm always intrigued by a time loop. So I'll look, I'll look for reviews. What I typically do with games that I haven't recognized is I'll either look for a demo or I'll see how they're performing on Backlogged. And if they get good reviews, then it's like, okay, I'll give them a shot. Or I'll at least add them on to the wish list and we'll see. Time Loop, Outer Wilds, oh. no shot. No way. Never, never You're again. You're right. No it more. Does, this game does look not great, but I think that's on purpose. You're talking about Orton? Yeah. Orton definitely yeah. is like a strong aesthetic that is a yeah. little bit repulsive. <laughs> Yeah, it's a little but, off-putting, you know, definitely. It's a thing. Oh, there's it's a, a giant story. woman, and she's stepping on people. What am uh -oh. I looking at? Oh, no. This game has taken a real turn. A real turn oh. away from our Christian Minecraft server. Here we go. <laughs> okay. It's not like that. It's like, okay. it's like she's like I'll take your word for hurtling it. people. It's okay. very odd. Well, that reminds me of, what was the other game that came out this year that was like that? Hmm. I can't you took it in a direction my brain was not going, so it's your fault. <laughs> well, look, I you know I can't help it. I can't help it. I I I'm literally coming off of Steins Gate, which was very much like constantly making references to some to some uh, questionable things. So uh, I just googled that game, the Orton game, and there's a screenshot, and it's just a giant something through a city. That's right, Jade. I just finished it and loved it. Ten out of ten. Really, really good. So we're going to move into our uh, <laughs> final segment of the show, which is, of course, Meme of the Week. That's right. It's time for our Meme of the Week. Our Meme of the Week is one of my own this time. I actually stole it, though, from Love Thy Nerd. So I love that Love Thy Nerd is here to see it. I stole this from your Facebook group. I thought it was so good. I wanted to post it over in our Memes and Goofs. So check it out here. This is our Meme of the Week. We have... Pharaoh, please let my people go. And then Yami Yugi's up there, not without a duel, Moses. And I love it so much. Just hand-drawn art. So good. Such a good goof. Such a good gaff. Always some time for some Yami Yugi Yu-Gi-Oh memes. That's definitely the first time I've ever seen that one, and it made me laugh so hard that I had to share it. So if you would like to be considered for our meme of the week, then consider joining our Discord, x Point Discord, and you can post your memes and goofs. Typically, whatever gets the most reactions is the one that I share on our weekly show. So this one happened to have the most reactions this past week. It is not because I uh, am showing any sort of favoritism or bias. It is purely because it got the most reacts, and I do appreciate it. So thank you very much much for that with that we're going to start wrapping up the show before we do mayfly do you have anything that you would like to shout out or share with the chat here i'm on the discord all the time ish so yeah we we do typically we do game nights after after stream on tuesdays so i will not be at this one tonight because i've got a bit of a headache but typically i am there um and then we do lunches on wednesdays that i am typically always at as well so join us there because yeah, I'd love to meet people, see people, and yeah. 
Yes, we are going to plan on raiding out at the end of this just because we've got such a huge crowd that I don't want too many people to, to fall through the wayside whenever we hop onto Discord. But that is our plan. This is our what we do on Tuesday nights as we go hop over to the Discord. I, at the very least, I'm going to be hosting a game of Lethal Company, which is the current trending meme game of uh, I don't even know how to describe it other than that it is absolutely hilarious. You're trying to survive and communicate with each other. It reminds me of, of oh gosh, what's the phasmophobia? It reminds me of phasmophobia, but instead of ghosts, it's creatures. So if you would like to play Lethal Company with me, then you should join our Discord because I'm going to start up a game and I and think it's up to four players. So we'll we'll plan on doing that. Yes, indeed, Mayfly does rock <laughs> and we are glad that Mayfly is with us tonight. Again, Point Discord, if you would like to join us there and in the games. And normally Mayfly is there. Maybe Mayfly will, will get rid of the headache and join us for lunch tomorrow like we get on yes. Wednesdays as usual. That's the plan. But with that, we're going to wrap up the show. After the end of the show, I'll do the raid out just because uh, I want to be sure to say goodbye to everybody and not just going to hop off. But we're going to wrap up the show. This has been Twig, your weekly, geekly, family-friendly news show delivered live on twitch.tv slash checkpointchurch each week, keeping your family connected to the world of nerdy news. If you watched this far, you likely enjoyed this one. So remember to give us a five-star on your podcast app. Click that like button and recommend the show to all of your favorite nerds out there. Is there Twig next week? Yes, there will be Twig next week, Tuesday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time over on TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube. We're streaming in those three platforms for a little while and testing the waters there. But always, Twitch is going to be the best experience for you. It's where we got the chat going and all the good stuff going on there. With that, we're going to wrap up the show with our three things that we believe to be true about every single one of you out there. Whether you believe in God, don't believe in God, go to church, don't go to church, hate God, hate the church, we still believe these three things to be true about every single one of you out there. Number one, that God loves you, like really, really loves you. Number two, we love you. We want community with you. It's why we do shows like this. It's why we stream. It's why we want to hang out. And then number three, really, that you, yes, you matter. You are a person of sacred worth. The world is a better place. Why? Because you are in it. Folks, with that, and until the next time that I see you, bye-bye! <laughs>